Stephen Kubaki, our favorite blipper, as I love to say, well, you guys know the drill at this point. He disappeared and basically found himself 15 months later with only the clothes on his back and various items in his backpack as clues to where he might have been. Last episode, we went down the rabbit hole of government conspiracies. Well, most of them aren't just theories. More like fucked up human history. (laughs) The stories and unclassified CIA documents that we dove into headfirst proved that the United States was literally kidnapping people and fucking around with energy in a way that they shouldn't have been. They've obviously never seen any horror movie ever. Something that is important to note is that the energy they were supposedly extracting from the human body to allow people to roam free outside of their physical forms and the laws of space, time, and basically science, definitely could have had a ripple effect. My paranormal believers and ghost hunters know that it doesn't take much to accidentally create a portal for spirits to come through, or some kind of energetic anomaly. Sometimes these portals are much, much worse and lead to somewhere else entirely. They can transport you to different dimensions, times, lands, or... Much like the horror movie Insidious showed, you could end up on the wrong side of the veil that separates the living from the dead. Hey guys, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Haunted Detective Podcast. I hope you guys are thoroughly disturbed since we used that song. But without further ado, I'm your favorite host and paranormal believer, Kelsey Childs, but you guys know the deal. Everyone calls me the paranormal Sherlock Holmes. And I'm just Pam, your favorite educated lunatic. So you're not going to fight me on it? Nah, I'm going to let you live in your delusion because I love you. (sighs) That's true love. So without further ado, let's open up the case file on episode five of Stephen Kubaki. First, I wanted to talk about some weird spots in America, ones that have an odd amount of security patrolling them. It seems as though these stories might coincide with large doses of weird energies. It even seems as though the authorities know about it. Could these be places created in a ripple effect of bad events? Could a portal have opened up because of repeated trauma and, well, negativity? Or has the government been experimenting in these areas as well? Are they trying to keep people out because they know the dangers of their creation? When it comes to Dudley Town, I'm not sure that it started as the latter, but it might have ended as such. Even looking at what is left of the town, which is not much, can get you arrested on the spot. Some say that people who are taken into custody here never return or are different when they're released. When we say creation, what is this? Like, are you talking about like Frankenstein or? Oh, God, no. Oh, okay. So with what the CIA was doing in the Gateway Project, where Mm. they were basically extracting someone's life force from their body, their energy, or depending on what religion you practice, their soul, that doesn't come without consequence. And I feel like doing something like that can create a negative energy and can create, I guess, this dirty bubble over where they were doing it. I know you're a skeptic, right? You're not the biggest paranormal believer, but it is widely subscribed to that these sorts of things are what create portals and rifts and openings to different dimensions. Okay. So when I say 
the dangers of their creation, I mean what they could have brought to an area that they were experimenting on people in. Okay. Think Stranger Things? Oh, sure. Okay. Dudleytown, Connecticut has been cursed since it was founded. In 1741, Gideon Dudley and his two brothers arrived and created their namesake town. It is said that the Dudley name has been associated with bad luck and paranormal oddities since Edmund Dudley was beheaded in 1510 for trying to overthrow the king. King Henry VIII then put a curse on the family and descendants to come, saying that they would always be followed by death and horror. Ever since then, those words had held true, through execution, plague, and other disasters. The area in which Dudley Town used to reside lays in the shadow of green mountains and thick trees, making it notorious for always being gloom and dark. It is important to say that Dudley Town was more of a village associated with Cornwall, Connecticut than anything else. Five main families built homes in the isolated communities, the Tanners, Jones, Pattersons, Dibbles, and Porters. And they soon discovered that the land nearby was filled with mineable iron ore, which caused an influx of travelers to move to the village. But at most, only 26 people lived there. Wow. Okay, so everyone knew everyone. I bet gossip was wild there. (laughs) Betty showed her fucking ankle today. Did you see Patricia's shoulder? Okay, so it was a small town. Even though from the outside the village seemed prosperous, there were much more dark and ominous things plaguing the residents. An unprecedented amount of deaths, disappearances, and psychotic breaks struck fear in the few people left standing. For 26 residents, sometimes less, living in an isolated community where the woods and land were well-traveled and explored, this is odd. (laughs) Yeah. Which is an understatement, but... So let's go through some of the things that happened in... A short period of time. In 1792, Gershon Hollister died while building William Tanner's barn, which, again, this just leads into the next point. Tanner, who died at 104, developed a reputation for telling his fellow residents that strange creatures lived in the woods and came out at night to play. So General Herman Swift served under George Washington in the Revolutionary War and lived in Dudleytown with his wife, Sarah Fay. In 1804, she was struck by lightning while standing on their porch and died. Oh my God. Swift then went crazy and died almost immediately after she did, like a psychotic break. Oh, that's so sad. In 50 years, he is one of three people to randomly fall ill with a bout of insanity. Three doesn't sound like a lot, but at most there were again, 26 residents. Yeah, I mean, for three people out of 26 or less to randomly fall ill with insanity is uh, is enough to, for, to raise a question. Well, 26 was the peak. Could have been like 15. It could have been 10. Yeah. Three out of 10. Slowly as death and oddities became an all too common factor and the need for wood and iron fell off, Dudleytown became more and more vacant. By the Civil War, most of the residents just left. In 1901, John Brophy's life was turned upside down when he was hit with multiple tragic events over a short period of time. His wife fell ill with tuberculosis and died, which that's common for the time, but then his two sons disappeared into the woods right after her funeral. His house was then vaporized by a sudden, aggressive, and mysterious fire, and right after that, Brophy himself then vanished into the forest. Poor Brophy. 
This guy just lost everyone he loved Everything. in his house. Yeah. I can't fathom that. Again, remember, so at this point, most of the people in the town had left. There were probably like five residents and his kids just happened to vanish into the woods. Like they knew the woods like the back of their hand. Right. People didn't just vanish like that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. People go missing, but people don't just vanish without a trace. Usually there's something like a shoe or a shirt or something to indicate something that might have happened to them. So this is one of the stories that gets me the most. In the 1900s, Dr. William Clark, a cancer specialist from New York, purchased a thousand acres of land just outside of Cornwall. Basically, he bought a part of Dudleytown and built his vacation home on its land. His wife Harriet and him would go for weekends during the summer and spent some holidays there. In 1918, Harriet was forced to stay in the house by herself when Dr. Clark was called into work for an emergency. He was only gone for 36 hours, but when he returned, his wife had gone completely insane, similar to the other residents in town. What? Okay, wait. So this town was famous for iron, like iron ore was mineable there, right? Yeah. So did they possibly mine something uh, like, I don't know. Mercury? Mercury, lead, like maybe they got exposed to this by chance. Maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't in the mines, but did they use mercury? I don't know. Could there be a logical explanation for this? I don't think lead would do that. Mercury is the one thing that would do this and cause hallucinations. Like Mm -hmm. uh, when I lived in San Luis Obispo, California, There was an entire town that got wiped off the map called Adelaide, and it was where wine country is, Paso Robles and Templeton, and they were a mercury mining community. Around this time, actually, mercury got into their water supply and everyone went crazy. Like people were eating each other, eating themselves. A teacher hung herself from the rafters (gasps) in the schoolhouse. Oh. And they just wiped it away. They, They refused to publicize this. Instead, they just removed the town from the map and there's still mercury in the water there and there's still mercury in Lake, I always pronounce it wrong, Nasiento, where everyone goes swimming and boating. So this is just stuff they're not, they don't tell people, you know? So since this happened so many times in Dudley Town, like what are, is anyone doing anything? Like I'm talking about in this, this time period that we're talking about, did anyone do anything to help? Well, actually, Dr. Clark founded an organization called, oof, the Dark Forest Entry Association. Oh. And I would like to backtrack a little bit and say that some sources say that Dr. Clark's wife was seeing the same monster that Tanner described, or monsters for the matter. Huh. His wife, who she was completely sane, able mind and body and a completely normal person, just started seeing monsters one night in Dudley Town, the only time she ever was alone there and went crazy. So then we have Dr. Clark, who's like, okay, no. Dark Forest Entry Association. And it basically barred all people from entering Dudley Town under the guise of wilderness preservation. To this day, police will not allow anyone, even hikers, which is new of 1999, on the land. They say that they don't want people to vandalize the historic buildings or, I mean, whatever is left of them. But the thing that makes me confused about that statement and the forest preservation statement is that Connecticut 
upstate New York, even downstate New York, they are riddled. That area is riddled with runes. And I mean, in the Catskills, there's the Overlook Hotel that is just a giant stone skeleton of a hotel that burned down. They don't care with any other abandoned town, hotel, house, etc. They only care for Dudley Town. And Dudley Town is like the least of all runes in that area. Right. And you'll be arrested? You will be arrested. If you even look at the town wrong, you will be arrested. That is that is the going thing and I honestly, I believe it. When I posted about Dudley Town on TikTok, I got way too many comments of people from Cornwall and the surrounding areas basically being like, don't ask questions you don't want the answers to, or like, leave our town alone. It's really weird. Someone made a good point to me when that video got posted and I got all those comments. They were like, well, maybe they don't want the publicity. Maybe they don't want visitors. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's widely understood that you'll get arrested. So they don't have visitors. You you can't find anything on Dudley Town video-wise other than this one guy that went on his dirt bike and, like, zoomed through it, took some videos, and then left. Wow. So I think we should try and look it up on Google Maps and post it on uh, haunted.detective, our Instagram. Definitely show you guys a little bit of what it looks like, what we can. Yeah, if it's not blacked out. <laughs> Hopefully not. So some experts have debunked this supposed curse, which have led paranormal enthusiasts to other explanations, which I think that there's something going on. I Military, government, something that they don't want us there because mm-hmm. it's not just Dudley Town. There are other towns. Some of them are myth. Some of them are fact. But like this is the most prominent of them. Right. It makes me feel weird in my tummy. <laughs> Got a little gut feeling there? Got a little gut feeling. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Never drive down Cosart Road. You might not come back. But seriously, there are so many reasons why people call this street Devil's Road. From oddities with the shape of the trees and how their trunks or roots create human and baby faces, or how the ones lining the road all face away from what supposedly lies beyond the forest at the end of the street. Colt House was allegedly a mansion owned by the DuPonts family. They were an oil tycoon family like the Rockefellers. Yeehaw, who were said to have had an affinity with inbreeding so that their wealth stayed in the family. As the story is told, the babies who came out deformed or sickly would be abandoned in the forest and left to die. Thus, the trees began to grow in almost a possessed manner, taking on the faces of those who perished. The family members that survived deformity would be locked inside the mansion, so no one would associate them with the DuPont's name. People tend to find stacks of dead animals in the woods or alongside the road. Multiple eyewitnesses have reported that when they attempted to drive up to Colt House, they were chased away by faceless men in trench coats with dark, unmarked SUVs. If I'm being completely honest, when I hear stacks of dead animals, I think sacrifice. Like, Mm. almost satanic sacrifice. But I'm also an animal lover, so when I hear stack of dead animals, I just get sick to my stomach. Yeah, I think teenage kids or not even sacrifice, a warning. A warning? A warning, yeah. Like, don't come here? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, that's... The fuck do the animals do? These are just scratching the surface of fuck shit happening in America alone. Things that defy logic and, well, seem made up because of how straight-up bizarre they are. 
The fact is that, especially with Dudley Town, no one is allowed to ask the right questions to see if there is actually a weird energetic anomaly there. So I wanted to expand our search. We need to hop on out of the United States to find real examples of portals and ley lines being responsible for weird disappearances, behaviors, and possibly the paranormal. Okay, so where are we going? We're going to Romania. When it comes to the Hoya Bachu Forest, I believe that this is the best example of a possible portal and 411-style cases outside of America. The forest itself is named after a man who disappeared with his flock of 500 sheep. Not a trace. Nada. Just gone. There one day, gone the next. But the forest only spans 729 acres, which is big, but not big enough for 500 sheep to disappear without any trace whatsoever. I'm actually really sad about the sheep. <laughs> not the man. Fuck that no, no, guy. No, 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 no. no. I, I do. I'm very sad about the man, too. But, like, I can't believe 500 sheep just, like, vanished. That doesn't make any sense. It makes absolutely no sense. Some of the first settlers were the Starkovo Karov Chris people. I definitely pronounced that wrong. I apologize. In 6500 BCE, they were basically the Eastern Neolithic people who settled the area during the Stone Age. Runes have been found in the forest that can be traced back to them. And there are many stories that come from the Hoya, and a lot of them speak to disappearances comparable to Stevens. People who enter the woods are plagued by horrible feelings and an unspeakable dread that spreads through them the longer they stay there that is also accompanied by dizziness, confusion, and nausea. Numerous people have had ghostly sightings among the dark trees as well. There have been reports of a young girl who vanished for years until on basically a random day, she wandered out of the forest wearing the same clothes and appeared to be unaged. This has caused people to think that there's a portal or ley line in the forest that brings people to different realms. Uh, little Pam logic time. How are you about to walk into a forest and get lost for years in said forest and then just not age, untouched? The correct answer is you don't. That does not happen. I'm sorry. If you're so adamant on that, let's go to the Hoya Forest and let's stay overnight. Okay. Shit. I didn't think you were going to agree to that. <laughs> let, me, let me get my fucking sleeping bag. We're going. We're going, bitch. Actually, that's a goal down the line for the show is to do a season special and we stay in different haunted places. So yay. Yay. So you're talking about all this crazy shit. <laughs> yeah. What's a ley line? So do you remember our first episode, which our re-recording of that? will be really soon, where we talked about how there was a ley line that crossed Lake Michigan? Yes. Okay. So basically, throughout the world, we have strange and unusual historic landmarks and geographical structures with weird energies that have caused people to wonder if there's more to their existence. Many people believe that the supposed energetic anomalies are caused by the fae, fairies, or something astrological. There was a book written by Philip Carr Gom and Richard Haygate, which connected these historic and prehistoric landmarks like standing stones, stone circles, mounds, hill forts, moats, crossroads, trails, and churches constructed before the Reformation era as markers for where these ley lines are. It's also important to note that the authors didn't believe that they have magical properties, just archaeological, anthropological, and possibly astrological significance. So think about the Craig Nadoon stones from Outlander. 
Now, there are people who are self-proclaimed experts in the field of study regarding ley lines. Scientists would call this pseudoscience, but I think there's something to it. For me personally, I believe that everything, even forests, fields, and bodies of water, hold a unique energy. I mean, geologists have even claimed that crystals do have a frequency or energy captured within the stones, so... I think places can definitely feel creepy. Now, now, do I think there's a physical energy that is scientifically detectable? I don't know. But I do agree that certain places carry a heaviness to them, whether I know the story of like what occurred there or not. It's why certain places are plagued with hauntings, monsters, and disappearances. And I genuinely think that even if not paranormal or magical, these energy fields can explain triangles. Ley lines can create portals that lead to another dimension or realm, which brings us back to the points I made about the multiverse in last week's episode. Much like the Bermuda Triangle and the others we have discussed, some areas, especially with ley lines, house weird energies that create portals or vortexes, causing weird happenings within their bounds. There are a few places in the world that don't follow the laws of science. Yes, I'm being serious, Pamela, before you fucking say anything. I was just about to. (laughs) To start the discussion of vortexes, I think it's important to discuss these mystery locations, as they're sometimes called. The Oregon, Montana, and Santa Cruz vortexes are all the same in that they don't follow the laws of gravity or science. Bullshit. Mm. Sorry to break it to you. When it comes to the Oregon Vortex, though, the indigenous tribes in the area called it forbidden ground. It is said that their horses would not walk into the area. They would end up walking backwards and away from the line of the energetic anomaly. These mystery houses in Montana and Santa Cruz as well just enhance the effects of the vortex. It's hard to describe these places without showing you or going there, but we'll post some stuff of this on our Instagram as well. Let's just say that nothing exactly makes sense, like balls rolling up a steep hill or people's heights changing from one spot in the mystery house to the next, and things tend to disappear. So to sum it up, scientifically and supernaturally, a vortex is an area of concentrated yet turbulent swirling energy. In regards to the spirit world, it is also a gateway for ghosts to travel through. This bizarre phenomena is said to affect people who are spiritually sensitive in a negative way. All in all, many weird things can happen within the bounds of a vortex, but it's not always supernatural. I can't say the same for portals, though. There's a place in Peru near Lake Titicaca where a giant stone door called Aramu Maru lays among the wilderness. It is said that an Incan priest brought a golden disc there as a key to open the massive door leading to the land of the gods. There are so many portals seen throughout history. Whether they're an explanation for weird vanishings or gateways to different realms, dimensions, or lands, there's always a consistent pattern in these legends and, well, the placement of said portals. They always seem to line up with ley lines. In some instances, these portals are less magnificent and more well, natural, like Lake Averness, a body of water sitting in a crater in the Flagrian fields. The volcanic activity in the area, which is still active, led to some speculation from the Greeks and Romans. This is where Aeneas is said to have entered the underworld through a cave near the lake and began his river crossing with Sharon. A rather interesting historical portal, though, is the Ranmasu Uyana Stargate in Sri Lanka. 
It's basically a giant chart carved into a rock that is said to be used to communicate to other dimensions or realms. And of course, Stonehenge. Ah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> Most of you will probably already know this, but no one really knows what the fuck Stonehenge even is. But there is one thing that is for certain. Many experts and Paris scientists believe that the odd circular formation is home to a portal or ley line, which brings us back full circle to episode one, where we talked about the Stonehenge in Lake Michigan. It always comes back to Michigan. It always comes back to fucking Michigan. <laughs> How do energies like these get created, though? Have they been there all along, or were they made through an astrological alignment, powerful belief, or tragedy? I certainly believe that if enough powerful things, good or bad, happens in an area, well, then it leaves a mark. Could there be something we don't know about with these triangles? A stain on the area they plague that was there long before they started claiming victims? There is one place where that can certainly be true. Ukigahara, also known as the suicide forest in Japan, has lured people into its shadows for years, claiming victims and unlocking their desire to, well, kill themselves. I've always wondered if the forest itself caused people to feel upset or if it was... Like, sadly, the people themselves who were incredibly sad before they arrived to the forest. I think both can be true. Yeah. It could be that the myth itself has drawn people who had already, well, like you said, Pamela, made up their minds about suicide and encouraged them to wander into its depths. Or it could be something much more sinister. Something that started with an ancient tradition that has since evolved into a much more powerful entity. The suicide forest is nestled at the base of Mount Fuji and is all of 14 square miles. It's not very big, but it's thick and easy to become lost in. That's a lot smaller than I thought. It's teeny tiny. Wow. On top of that, the forest was made on top of hardened lava from Mount Fuji's eruptions, 864 of them to be exact. It's a quiet place and that alone increases the foreboding feeling as every tiny sound is amplified. The legends around this forest and how it became as sardonic as it is bases around an ancient Japanese practice called ubaste. This is when, during times of great hunger, an elderly or older woman is abandoned and left to die in the woods. The name itself means abandoning an old woman. It's also called, and I'm sorry if I pronounced this one wrong, I couldn't find the broken down pronunciation, but oyatse, or abandoning a parent. The suicide forest was a popular place for this custom during the earlier portions of the feudal period. Family members would basically do this because of food shortages and poverty, and the elderly women were seen as, quote, dead weight. Here's how the ritual went. The elder was chosen from within the family and was typically a woman, as I previously mentioned, but not always. The son of this woman would then carry her on his back into a forest or up a mountain. She would leave a trail of sticks from the trees around her so her son could find his way back. This also showed that the woman being sacrificed was a willing participant. At their destination, the man would leave his mom and begin his trek home while the elder slowly perished, typically from the elements, starvation, dehydration, or all three. Oh my god. It is said that hundreds, if not more, elderly women were left to die in the suicide forest, which created a tumultuous energy which called for more death and more devastation. Thus, a portal or vortex was created, coaxing people into its darkness to take their own lives. The more people that killed themselves, the more the forest demanded. 
It is said that around 100 people die in there per year. In 2010, only 54 of the 247 attempts in the forest were successful, thank God. I mean, not for the 54, but of the large amount of people that tried to take their own lives. Right. And usually it's through overdose or hanging there. So recently, the Japanese government has stopped releasing the numbers of victims, fearful that sensationalizing it will make the tragedies worse. Yeah, that's probably a good call on their part. Yeah. People believe that it is the victims of the Yubatse ritual that haunt the forest, creating a deep and heavy sadness that befalls anyone who enters, making it hard for them to leave. These yurei or ghosts are said to be dedicated to luring people to their demise. At the end of the day, not everyone who enters the forest is looking to end their own lives, and a lot of locals hate the reputation that it has gotten, claiming that it's a peaceful and calming place. So I'm really glad that you said that because I've never heard that the locals are upset about the reputation. And even with all of this, the Hoya Forest is still the most feared forest in the world. And I guess that pretty much explains the allure of portals versus vortexes. Vortexes or copious amounts of fucked up energy tends to draw people in to act in a negative way, while portals draw people in who are then typically never seen again. Vortexes can create horrendous hauntings due to the nature of how they were created, as portals might do the same, but they tend to not have a magnetic pull for spirits, just the occasional wanderer. These phenomena aren't always bad. Sometimes they're just a little silly goofy, like we discussed with the mystery houses. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I'm standing sideways, not, oh my god, there's there's a fucking ghost in front of me. Yeah, a little different. little different experiences. We need to figure out whether the allure is supernatural or psychological because sometimes the appeal of monsters in folktale might just be enough to prompt someone to do something crazy, like the case of the Slenderman stabbings. The two girls who committed the heinous act of stabbing their friend multiple times, that's an understatement, did so because of a fictional monster they wanted to summon. Yeah, I I remember this case and I I truly can't fathom like what that girl went through. I really can't. One of them got out of prison last year. Did they really? Wow. Before we get into this case, let's discuss who Slenderman is or what he is. And Pamela, I want you to close your eyes. Okay. Picture this. You're walking at night, in the woods. The air is brisk with a coldness that seems to seep into your bones. A dense fog gathers at your feet and weaves around the trees, obscuring mostly everything around you. Your mind starts to play tricks on your eyes as plants, rocks, and other things take on unnatural shapes. You're not sure why or how you got into the forest, but the flashlight in your hand and the light coming from the yellow-tinted full moon makes it easier for you to keep your footing over the roots, brambles, and slippery leaves. The trees around you seem to bend and contort as if they're reaching their gnarled branches down to grab you. A chill picks up in the air and you feel something wet drip down your lip. You lift your arm and wipe below your nose to find that it's bleeding profusely, yet you trek on. That's when it happens. You see him out of the corner of your eye first, one, two, three times. Then there he is, standing in front of you. Faceless, unnaturally tall and pale, wearing a suit and red tie. You know immediately that you've not only stumbled across Slenderman, but become victim to his summoning and song. 
And that's when I drop kick that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking thought. <laughs> Fuck you, Slender Man. So now that you have that scene playing in your head, along with, I guess, <laughs> your fucking dropkick, we can talk about who Slenderman is and why his story inspired an attempted murder. In 2009, there was a competition on a website forum called Something Awful. The creator asked for artists to create a modern mythical monster or cryptid to scare people. Eric Knudsen, under the pretenses of a fake name, created two Photoshop pictures from the 1980s. One had a group of unsuspecting girls walking towards the camera. They were unaware that behind them stood Slenderman, a creature that only appeared in the developed photo. To further his story, he included a blurb about the 14 girls in the photo and how they had gone missing shortly after it was taken. Slenderman was ultimately supposed to be a meme, but his story took the internet by storm. And Pamela, I'm, I'm sure you remember this, is that like it, Slenderman was everywhere. They made yeah. a movie, they made a video game. As Slenderman's influence evolved, so did his story. With that came a full Wikipedia page, origin story, and mythos. Slenderman became something that some people genuinely feared and believed in, and here's kind of what he turned into. So he was a tall, faceless man in a in a tuxedo or a suit. And when I say faceless, I mean he just had white gaunt skin stretched over his face. He didn't have eyes and mouth and nose. Sometimes he had multiple arms or sometimes it was just his long, lanky features. Ew, okay. He would basically summon kids and take them into the woods. And some people said that he had a castle and some people claimed to know where it was. And some people <clears throat> claimed that a human sacrifice was a way to summon him. Oh, no. That was nowhere on any of the sites or Wikipedia pages. I don't know what dark web back page fucking forum that was from. But he would basically, he had this song where children would hear the song and go into a trance and be lured out to him. Oh, wow. Ew. So as I said, following this, some people gained an unnatural obsession with him, especially when it came to finding his castle. So on May 30th, 2014, Peyton Lutner had a sleepover for her birthday with two of her friends, Morgan Geiser and Anissa Ware. Everything seemed normal in their friendship and the evening went off without a hitch. What Peyton and her family didn't know was that Morgan and Anissa had an unhealthy obsession with Slenderman, but they weren't scared of him like most children their age were, or should have been for the matter. They wanted to join him in his castle and become his representatives, or as they called it, his, quote, proxies. Anissa believed that due to this possibility, if she didn't murder Peyton, then Slenderman would come for her family, as she was also led to believe by Morgan. The girls led Peyton to a heavily forested area, and Anissa watched while Morgan stabbed Peyton with a kitchen knife 19 times. And listener discretion advised... She was stabbed in her chest, abdomen, arm, and leg. Five to her arm, seven to her leg, and the rest were littered in deadly blows across her torso. Peyton was able to drag herself to a nearby trail where a bicyclist spotted her and called 911, and it's basically a miracle she even survived it all. Yeah, and I mean, I just want to say that Peyton is incredible. I mean, yes. oh, what absolutely. happened to her was horrendous and cruel. So I just wanted to say I really wish all the best to Peyton um, in her life and her family. Yeah. And 
obviously she's a survivor and she is yes, the epitome yeah. of the word survivor. Right. So yeah, the strength is the strength is unbelievable. Just remember, like if you guys are talking about this case or you want to post about it, remember that Peyton's alive, her family's alive, and yeah. worshiping Slenderman or talking about this case as if Slenderman is real is re-traumatizing her and her family. So I just we're bringing this up in a paranormal episode, but this is not a paranormal instance. This is an act of extreme, extreme cruelty. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So again, while Slenderman is not a real monster, Anissa and Morgan thought he was. They were very literally drawn in by a fictional monster due to their obsession with it. Now, you might see where I'm going with this in relation to the episode, this episode, all of them. But next week, we're going to deep dive into the psychology behind Steven's disappearance. If it wasn't paranormal, then what caused him to blip out of existence? There's something called disassociative fugue where people very literally forget who they are and we see it in the case of Hannah Up and slightly with the Tromp family who shared in a weird delusion causing them to flee from their home in this paranoid state. There are even some people who forget that they have been a victim of a crime and walk home injured like nothing is wrong. These are all stories and cases we will be discussing next episode to fully understand why Steven might have forgotten 15 months of his life. Oh boy. That's a lot. This is going to be your favorite episode. <laughs> episode I six. am so excited for the psychological part of this. It's uh, This is your bread and butter. Baby. It really is. This is my favorite. I just want you guys to know that Pamela will have a heavier hand of influence in this episode because she has a, has a degree that mm-hmm. we're... Oh, is your degree in psychology or is that your uh, minor? It's not. So my degree was in uh, criminal justice, um, but I specialized in pre-law and then I also dabbled in victimology, criminology and clinical psychology. So, yeah, anyways, (laughs) with that being said, Pamela will have a heavier (laughs) hand in the influencing this episode because this is, of course, her specialty. So thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Haunted Detective podcast. We're going to close the case file on Steven for today, and we're going to see you back bright and early next week. Actually, dark and gloomy because we post on midnight every Monday. So be there or be square in a vortex disappearing. Is that kosher to say? (laughs) Be there or be sucked up in a vortex. (laughs) Be there or be a triangle, bitch. (laughs) Not a triangle. So a really quick side note, if you guys do like our show, don't forget to leave a nice review, say something nice on iTunes. I know we joke about it every week, but reviews and the amount of good reviews we get are, it's it really decides the success of the show. So if you have something nice to say, then say it, but obviously leave honest feedback and five stars doesn't hurt. Yeah, we like to hear what you're thinking. We do. And obviously, I mean, your guys' feedback changed the format of the show and we appreciate it so much because we got to address something that was a flaw early on and change it quickly and make it so that the rest of this podcast and series was enjoyable for everyone. We love you. We love you.